You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, at some point, all parents will hear their exhausted, overwhelmed child whine, Mommy, I want to go home. Even very young children know, without being explicitly taught, that home is a place of rest and comfort, the place all their familiar and favorite things are and where their favorite people live. This is the fourth in our home series, which we've been loving, and we've talked about home being a place of rest and refuge, and a place where you can create and cultivate beauty. And today, we're talking about home as the place where we learn to love. Yeah, so if you think about humanity's first home, it was all about relationships. First, the man and the woman learn about one another. They learn how they're different. They learn each other's preferences, how they complement each other, and I don't know. Do they learn how to fight and make up? We talked about this before we recorded. I don't know. It's possible that they might learn to disagree and compromise. Mm -hmm. Might be my better words for it. So they're in it to win it. And they really are made to compliment each other. If you've listened to me before, you know, a woman is called strong help, which is what the word God uses for himself throughout Mm -hmm. the Old Testament. And there are hints that um, man as the firstborn um, mimics Jesus as Mm -hmm. the firstborn overall creation. So we have our roles to play to complement each other and go out and do this thing, make the garden of Eden, fill the whole world. It was supposed to be a great project. Yeah. So they're in it to do that despite their mistakes. And we know that they made some pretty, some doozies, some big mistakes. And so also they're in the garden and they're communing with their creator. They know his voice. They know his presence. Their spiritual buckets are full. Yeah, that's, um, you know, they're described as walking with Mm -hmm. God, which, you know, um, later on in the New Testament, Jesus says, you know, come and see, come and follow me. Mm -hmm. It's, It's always this relationship that involves walking together. Right. It's an attachment that we have to each other. Right. I think uh, one of the sayings they used to have for teachers and rabbis in the Middle East back then mm-hmm. was may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi mm. which meant you were following so closely that his feet were raising that dust and you were covered in like and, and out of that relationship everything flows mm-hmm. everything exactly first exactly. and foremost it's about a relationship and an attachment and then there's there's all these other things that can can arise from that yeah which we'll get into a little yeah. bit later i think that's so neat so home starts with those two basic relationships with our creator, and if we're not single, with our spouse. And all the other relationships are going to follow after that. Children, siblings, in-laws, extended family, and friends. But they all start with that building block of home. Mm -hmm. So we want to ask a few questions about these relationships. So how can our homes help us to learn to love God? Well, a, a great passage for young families is Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. Um, where we're told, you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your home and on your gates. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that look like? I think um, literally we wrote scriptures 
yeah. on our walls when we were building our house or if we put an addition on or something, we would write it in the concrete mm-hmm. um, foundation. We would write the scripture on the walls um, or before we repainted, we would do that. Um, we've talked on here before about hanging verses around the house, whether you stick it a post-it note on a mirror Absolutely. or get a really nice, pretty framed mm-hmm. something or other. Um, there is something about the power of speaking words of life into a place. So if you have love one another on your wall, that's going to create a very different vibe than go away. We don't want you here, right? Yeah. Cue the Masaru Emoto videos (laughs) of the intention behind his words. Right. Spoken to rice and water Mm -hmm. and spoken to plants. Wild. Wild. We'll have to link to that because the... The power behind our words, the intention behind our words, it's not nothing. It is, it is, they have energy behind them that changes the world. Just, I'll just leave it there. Yeah. It's very powerful. So again, the Bible is a picture of how the world works. God's not saying, now I'm going to give you all these things to do. You must do this all day long. When you lie down, when you get up, when you go out, when you come in. And it's going to be really hard. And I'm going to watch and see if you do it. I know he's like, no, I want you to live a blessed, fruitful life. And the way you do that is you talk about what is good and beautiful and true and right right and just and merciful all the time. Put that out loud into the world. Put it into the world. Literally stick it on the walls of your house. So that's before you at all times. And if it's going to flow out of you, that means you had to put it into you. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be intentional. Absolutely. So there's this atmosphere in your home of learning and teaching all that you were talking about. Um, and we can do that in lots of different ways that you can do personal and group study discussions yeah. in your house. You yeah. can have friends over, you can do a specific small group or uh, yeah, there, there's no substitute for study. So the the question you should be asking yourself is not if I should study scripture, it's just what and how mm-hmm. I should study it. And there's so many great helps out there. And the Bible's a big book and it's ancient and there's different genres of literature in it and it can be intimidating. True. There's bite-sized pieces and all kinds of different versions though to help you with that absolutely language and all the things yeah so if you need a simple simpler version look at the new living translation for example i think Mm -hmm. that one's written to like a sixth grade reading level Mm -hmm. i turn to that one from time to time in addition to other ones because i just i like the clarity it's helpful there's a bible recap there's videos online Mm -hmm. you can look at all Mm -hmm. all kinds of resources these days that you know are there for the taking Mm -hmm. really um i was thinking about this uh, just in terms of how I would describe it to someone if I were trying, well, like this, if mm-hmm. I'm trying to teach it to them. And it's like the French and food. There are food episodes, mm-hmm. which you know are some of my favorite, our three-part food episodes. The French believe that learning to feed yourself is a skill that will um, is critical for not just your health, but your enjoyment of your life. Mm-hmm. And we should approach scripture with the same viewpoint. You're learning to feed yourself. And so if you feel like you're toddler level and you need it cut up into little tiny bites or you need it to be not quite so fancy with all the sauces (laughs) and the herbs, (laughs) the exotic ingredients, that's just fine. Yeah. That's a hundred percent fine. You, you eat what you can chew right now. Or as Paul would say, you drink the milk first. You don't even start with food, Mm -hmm. with solid food. So find what you need and start there, but yeah. take responsibility 
for it. You're yeah. the parent now. And forget about what your neighbor's eating. That's, Don't worry that is about irrelevant. it. Keep your eyes on your own page. That's it. And, and your eyes on your own meal that you're eating. Yeah. It's totally good. It's just beautiful, actually, yeah. to see someone take responsibility and do that for themselves at whatever stage. Do you scoff at your two-year-old when they're mastering a skill? No, you you squeal with joy. Yeah. You did it. Look how far you Yeah. Came. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so for sure, we got to learn to feed ourselves. Just choose how you're going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, you just want an atmosphere of learning in your home, like a, a kind of a joyful expectation that you're going to find something cool in God's word. So kind of like the highs and lows and what, what did God teach you today or mm-hmm. speak to you or do in your life today? Just kind of that eager expectation. Great questions to ask your kiddos at the end of the day or yourself or your spouse. Yeah. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Um, talking about stewardship. Everything we have is God's. How are we going to use it for his good? Mm-hmm. All of that sort of thing. Yeah, this is God's house. We're, yeah. we're just the keepers of it. Yeah. We got to pick it out. That's kind of cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, another thing you can do to in your home to help you learn to love God uh, is to pray through each room before you move into a new place, yeah. which I didn't know was really a thing. I didn't really think about that until way longer in my spiritual journey, but um now I make it a regular practice as you're going through doing your regular house, you know, you're in the laundry room, you pray in the laundry room, you're in the kitchen, you, you pray for the kitchen, you're in the bedroom, you pray for the bedroom or whatever activities are going on in any of those rooms. Uh, and you just kind of make it part of your regular practice, um, clean out the yuck that's in there and bring in the blessings. Yeah. So I didn't do this either until we moved to Indiana and we really couldn't sleep. We were having nightmares, violent nightmares at night and and we later discovered after talking to the neighbors that the family who lived there before had a really bad marriage and there was, there was some domestic dis- disturbances that mm. went on. And so we said, well, you think there's like some spiritual stuff left behind here? Is that how that works? And so we kind of just very, um, not with a lot of theological insight, would you say, very yeah. naively went through and out of just in faith said, well, we, we think we can... We have the power to bless our house and to take this ground. So we just prayed over the rooms and that was that it stopped. And so that was just a little piece of the puzzle in my worldview of there's dirt that I clean with my broom and my mop and, you know, in my house and there's dirt that I clean in the spiritual realm. And I need to just on the regular be praying over my rooms of my house. Yeah. Especially when weird behaviors come up or, or like you said, dreams or mm-hmm. unsettledness in your home, things like that. It's part of the triage. You need to ask yourself what's doing. going on with your, May seem your weird, kids or whatever. But it's worth doing. Uh, then I think we also need to treat our home as a holy place. Because like we said, it's God's in the first place, if that's our worldview. Mm-hmm. So we're guarding it from things that might tarnish that sacred ground. So you should ask yourself, what destructive influences am I allowing in? in the form of TV or internet content or language, how we talk to each other or even people. Yeah. I have a real strong opinion on this. Shocking. I know. <laughs> I have a strong opinion. I know. <laughs> um, my home needs to be a place where everyone is welcome. So you are welcome here, mm-hmm. no matter your background or what you've got going on in your life. But I also know that you are bringing with you, whatever um, good and bad you have allowed into your life. Mm -hmm. And so I know that it's just my responsibility 
to um, take authority over the space before people come, make them feel loved while they're here, and then just take authority after they leave. Again, when I've forgotten to do that, some a few wonky things go on, and then I just go, oh, right. I didn't, I didn't just pray, mm-hmm. you know, after they were gone and, and you just take care of it. And, um, and you're not talking about like burning sage and doing a dance no, around the yard I, and I'm the moonlight and just, pray. <laughs> yeah, just, just, Hey God, this is no, your home. I, we're dedicating it to you and whatever is here. That's not of you be, must leave. Get out. I bind you. I send you to Jesus. You go where he says, there you um, go. cause so it's real simple. I'm not for casting things into hell as much as I think I'd like that a little too much. I'm not allowing myself that power. So I send it to Jesus and allow Jesus to do what he wants and just say, no, this is our property. We are, we're under the authority of Jesus and you're not allowed here. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's that. And we go on and it's not some big, yeah, like candles, rituals, all that. None of that hoodoo stuff. And, and and that's the part I love, but I must remember also you know, fill it up and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Yes. Here, Jesus, you're our shepherd. Let's play some, some worshipful music. Right. Let me, let me praise you fill from it. my own lips. Yeah. Fill it with blessings. And fill it up with blessings. I'm a, I'm a real defensive kind I, of gal. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm with you on that <laughs> one. And I got to remember, no, we want to do offense too. We want to invite, <laughs> we want to invite all the, the good in. Yeah. The blessings. So that might not be something that you've thought of depending on your background, but I think that's worthwhile. Yeah, y'all. It's just worth trying. Try it it's out. not going to hurt. Try it out. I mean, I've talked to people who don't follow Jesus, you know, my volunteer work, and they've told me some wacky things. Yeah, I They I know. dream at night. I've they see, heard some stuff, too. They've had some really traumatic experiences, mm-hmm. and they've been wounded. They've been hurt, and it's not of their own doing. Mm-hmm. It's not their rebellion. It's someone has sinned against them, and I'm just like, hey, try it. Yeah. That's not nothing. It's not pretend. What you're talking about is real. Mm-hmm. And you just say, hey, no. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, help me here. We're not having that. Yeah, you might not be under the authority of Jesus, but you can cry out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Try it and see what happens. Yeah. He does it with he does it with Muslims all the time. He's so gracious to come to them. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, ooh, I love this part. Do you know how every house has its own smell? Yeah. <laughs> my parents' house, when I walk in it, it now, it smells to me like what I remember my grandmother's house smelling uh-huh. like. Um, so, you know, our childhood home, our grandparents' home, where scent is a big one for me. Yep. It's a sense that I really love. Big old memory trigger mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. Well, in the same way, our homes should have a certain spiritual aroma that's recognizable when people enter. 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16 says that we are a fragrance of Christ to God. So when people walk into your home, what do they smell first? Mm. Is it the cat box? (laughs) Or is it uh, that vanilla candle that you have going? Or is it just this sense of peace and something's different here? You know, a sort of a sweet aroma. I love it. It's beautiful. I I do love it. I think that that fragrance... um, Listen to our interview with Melissa and Daisy, mm. mother-daughter duo, on creating a beautiful home. I think the driving force behind all of the beauty they create is welcome. Yes. You know, it's a fragrance of welcome yes. in their home. And and so they do that um, visually. Yeah, very well. Mm-hmm. Very well. Mm-hmm. Well, how can our homes teach us to love those in our family? If if home is about love, where we learn to love, 
gosh, so many ways. So many ways. It's where we should feel safe to be who we really are. And so those that we live with see us, obviously, with our bedheads and in all our various moods. And they love us anyway. I love that. Do you ever, like, I think about that regularly because I get some amazing bedhead with my short hair. <laughs> and I think, I literally think to myself, I'm fine with my family seeing me like this. <laughs> this is just who I am. But if, even if you're coming over, I'll just real quick run a brush through my hair. Yeah. It's just it's, a different it's level. It's a different level. Of, mm-hmm. of how you're okay being mm-hmm. seen. I love that. But mm-hmm. this is where home is where we're going to learn forgiveness. It's where we're going to learn grace, sacrifice, generosity, service, gratitude, celebration, and appreciation. All of those things, those are huge virtues and concepts, Mm -hmm. and we're learning them at home. Or not. You know? I mean, that's your choice. That's right. You have the power. You have the power. Moms, you have so much power. Use it. Use it to create an atmosphere like Bonnie's describing. So think of all the ways we model these things to our children, teaching them how to relate to others outside the home. The way you treat your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad, reflects the way that you treat your wife, husbands. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you watch your mom and dad interact or argue or be affectionate or work together, you're learning how to do marriage and what to expect from the opposite sex. We've said that again and again. You're teaching your children how to disagree when you argue in front of them. Mm -hmm. All right. When we tangle with a sibling and have to work it out later, that's the ground where we're learning to forgive or apologize. And families, God puts us in families because we learn there how people are different from us and how to appreciate what they bring to the table. That's where we're learning how to contribute and pull our own weight and take responsibility, how to give and take, even when it's inconvenient. Listen, there's no out. Right. You're with the How many people. people have said that we've talked to have said, yeah, I would not, that's not who I'd choose for my friend. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of family. You get like, to practice it. There is no again, out. Again, again. So let's take that and kind of take a little tangent. Well, you were just talking a little bit before this podcast that home and family is where our, the best discipleship model begins and it's called an attachment discipleship model. Yeah. Can you explain that a little bit. Yeah. I've been kind of mulling this over lately and binge listening to a podcast, which I can't remember the name on the trail, I think is the name of it. Mm-hmm. We'll find out and maybe link to it because it's really good. It's a father daughter podcast, maybe 20, 25 minutes each episode. She interviews her dad and um, he makes the point that the, the reason that we're, maybe not getting the disciples that we want in our churches in the American churches, maybe Canadian or the West Mm -hmm. Europe is because we had the model off. So he says, you know, at the center of discipleship, there must be attachment. So, so first and foremost, it's about attaching yourself to Christ about him attaching himself to you. And you see that in families. Um, Jordan Peterson has great content on, Children are born wanting to be attached to you. Even children who are removed from their parents in the foster care system, um, we experienced this, the children that were in our home, they rave about their parents. Sure, they want their... From whom they were removed Mm -hmm. for safety reasons. And so um, we are born wanting to be attached to these people. And scripture is filled with this kind of language where in the garden... God walked with Adam and Eve in the mm-hmm. cool of the day. 
And then in the New Testament, we see Jesus says, come and see, come and follow me. Right. And so it's about abiding in Christ. And then, um, and then of course, truth matters and behavior and choices and our will matters and power matters. But when you put that at the center, when you think um, that a relationship is all about just knowing the right things, yeah, then you put truth at the center, not attachment. Mm-hmm. And then when you think that relationship is all about just making the right choices, don't get mad at me, get mad at him. He said, you get the Billy Graham crusades. It's just, just make a choice. Mm-hmm. Just ask Jesus into your heart, make a choice for Jesus. And their own numbers said um, one in seven stayed attached to Jesus with that model. So they're not complete failures. Yeah. They're just not super effective. And then the power, um, our culture said, nope, it's uh, the ends justify the means and power should be given to those without power. And you get communism and all of the the death and destruction it created. And the church says, oh, well, we've got the best power. We've got the Holy Spirit. So let's just cast those demons out, fill you with the spirit and send you on your way. And he's like, that actually doesn't work either. It's not complete. It's not complete. Yeah. So so power and truth and, and will all stem from attachment. And that's what we're talking about in the home. Home is where you're attached to your people. Right. You're not, to be cast out of a home is one of the deepest. The most scarring, most, wounding things. That, that can happen to you. Yeah. Because you know it's an attachment. That has been severed. That's right. And it's not supposed to be severed. It's not supposed to be severed. So I thought when you were explaining all this to me earlier that it was such a beautiful model of the way the world works anyway, the Mm -hmm. way scripture lays it Mm -hmm. out for us anyway, that marriage and the family and the attachments that form there are simply a reflection of the attachment that we're supposed to have to that vine. Mm -hmm. How cool that is. And, And how much power we have, especially from birth to, you know, 18, however mm-hmm. long we have our kiddos in there mm-hmm. to just make that attachment stronger and stronger and stronger and all the things we can pour into that. That Yes. And that is the net. And that's what we we're talking about in the beginning of the podcast because of the attachment. That's the place that where truth is taught most powerfully. And because of the attachment, that's where you can make the best choices. When your child makes a bad choice, they don't stop being your child. Exactly. And, and, and home is the place that attachment gives you power to go out into the world mm-hmm. and be a force for good, knowing that you can come back and recharge with your people. Right. And so, so yeah, get the, get the horse before the cart. And what a lesson that is that like our, our attachment with God is not severed. It's yes. We mess up with that too. And that's not severed. I, I it read, works just like this children. It works like this. I read this morning, um, Kenneth Bailey has just some of the best um, writing on describing the teachings of Jesus through Middle Eastern eyes that I know. And Mm -hmm. I read this morning something that I learned probably when my kids were teenagers, that um, God calls us to obedient faithfulness, not results. It's it's about sticking to him. Mm -hmm. It's about walking with him, going where he leads you, you know, doing what he says um, and trusting him with the results. And parenting and is the same. Parenting way. is the same way. <laughs> You're faithful to your children. You're attached to them and faithful to them. The end. The rest is up to them and God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so freeing yeah. at that point. It actually keeps you from parenting from fear, from guilt, from shame. It, it, it keeps you um, from putting pressure on your kid. 
to turn out a certain way. And certainly there's consequences to our choices. For sure, God allows us the mercy and the grace of experience the consequences of our choices. And those choices affect our relationship with him, Mm -hmm. the quality of it, the quality of the attachment. It can be a joyful attachment or a hurtful, fear-filled attachment. But it's not the crux of what keeps us attached. We're attached because of Jesus. Yeah. It's his, it's his attaching. Love. He's grafted us in. It's, and so I can't hear that enough times. I just loved that whole picture. So I wanted to make sure we put yeah. that in there because I thought that was just really cool. A really yeah. very cool model. Um, okay. So then lastly, how do our homes help us to love others? Yeah. Well, we think of our homes as ours, but David and I did try to say, you know, on the regular, that this is actually God's house. And we moved to a bunch of different houses. Mm-hmm. So we got to say it several times. Um, there's a sense in which our homes don't belong to us at all. We pay their mortgage or we might pay their rent for that apartment or that home. But in a Christian worldview, everything is the Lord's. Everything belongs to God. Including our kids. Including our kids. In case we forget that. Mm-hmm. So it's not for our use alone. And my goodness, there's so many examples of hospitality in scripture. And some cultures are better at this than others. Middle mm-hmm. Eastern ones, for example, if you've ever been there, they're known for their hospitality. And here in the American South, we have a thing mm-hmm. that's actually called Southern hospitality. And I was looking this up because I thought, what, you know, where did that come from? Yeah. And interestingly, a lot of people think it came because of the prevalent religious beliefs of this region and the quote unquote Bible belt, which compelled church members to welcome strangers. So that's where it started. Yeah. Rosaria Butterfield, go check it out. The gospel comes with a house key. She models this. So she's, don't let the best be the the enemy of the good. Mm-hmm. She does this like a boss. So when you read it, you might be tempted to go, I could never do that. Yeah. But my, my challenge to you is um, to read what she does and see if you could do one thing similar to what she does. So she has her neighbors, her literal neighbors, in her house on the regular, regular meals, they're in and out of each other's homes, regular prayer in times of sharing the gospel. And she gives them an out. They know when it's coming and they can leave. Mm-hmm. It, they don't have to sit yeah. <laughs> through the gospel presentation to get the food. <laughs> they do not. Um, but she's, she says, you know, that's really the most effective forum for sharing Jesus with others. So our homes are for welcoming others. How often are you doing that? How can you swing it? What would it look like for your family? Because there's not one size fits all. Oh, gosh. No, that's why there's so many different kinds of families and homes. Yeah. Yeah. So. So is it neighbors that you want to have over? Is it a stranger that you met one day? Uh, Students or exchange students? Um, Obviously, family and friends. That's easiest to do. Yeah. But maybe a new member at church or missionaries. Yeah, could you maybe commit to regularly hosting a small group or maybe a six-week study or a discussion group in your home? Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether you're an empty nester or a young mom yourself, maybe you could host a play date for young families if you've got a big yard. My mom is so good at this. She's 79, and her house is such a great place for young families. She kept some toys, Uh and she keeps them down in the down-low cabinets. So the kids who come over more than once know where they are. It's a fun backyard. She's kept a swing set uh-huh. in her backyard all these years. Um, and it's just a great place for families to go. And free and fun, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Make your house the place to be for your teens, friends. Um, all you got to have is a little bit of food, some interest in them, 
set up a game or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll basket find that on a the lot. kitchen table with the where the phones, where the phones go. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you want your house to be the place yeah. that everyone wants to be. Yeah, uh, and and maybe somebody else's kid is seeing something in your family that they're not they didn't know was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, volunteer to have the youth group over in the summertime. We've had a big group over from church before and kind of just swept the garage floor mm-hmm. and cleaned it out and put some tables up there because we knew we didn't have room in the house. So we did some in the kitchen, some in the garage. And they don't care. They just time. want a place to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't care what it looks like. Do a holiday gathering, have a new family over from church once a month. Maybe if you have some extra room, your kids are gone. Host an intern or an exchange student for a few weeks. That's one of the most powerful things that David and I have experienced. It's um, discipleship on steroids because you cannot hide when you live with someone. That's right. They get to see your bedhead too. They see your bedhead <laughs> as well. They get to see the how the good and the bad. And you're human. You know, mm-hmm. I can present a certain persona to my friends, you know, in a coffee shop or at church. But, you know, at home, you are who you are. Mm-hmm. And um, it levels the playing field. So right. it keeps you from looking like some big spiritual giant that, you know, you're just who you are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on a journey with Jesus too. And yeah. here's where our steps are taking us. And let's see where your steps are taking you yeah. with him. Just have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and don't save your nice stuff for later. Use the China. We used the China with Taco Bell when we were 21. I love that so much. I can't even tell you. We would bring Taco Bell home. We would get our wedding China out and eat off of it because we were so thrilled to be married and have China. <laughs> <laughs> so fun use the good towels you yes. know use the good sheets that's what they're there for mm-hmm. sometimes you don't get later so just use it up somebody was staying with me recently and they came down and they were like oh my goodness i was eating a candy bar in bed and a piece of chocolate got on your sheets i'm so sorry and i was like first of all I want a candy bar to eat in bed <laughs> why didn't you share with me and second of all that's what we do in this house we live in it yeah. And we just throw those sheets downstairs and we're going to wash them. Yeah. Who cares? Big deal. Big deal. Yeah. It's all about you and living and the attachments that you make mm-hmm. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's this great book called Love and Economics by Jennifer Roback Morse. And in it, she asks, where is the real world? Well, instead of being some imagined political or economic institution, she says, well, the real world is at home. This mundane world of ordinary chores, ordinary joys, ordinary problems. This is where any personal property bears fruit. If our domestic lives and our relationships aren't satisfying, if our home life doesn't work, if our economic theories don't help us make sense of life's difficulties and disappointments, then our theories have failed us. She is such a thinker for good in this area. That book is, that book is, no joke, man. It's intimidating a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but it's so good. Good. If, if you're not up for, if you're, okay, if you're a reader, pick it up and get it and just like put it in your to read list. If you're not up for that, check out her podcast, The Ruth Institute, mm-hmm. and you'll get snippets of her perspective from that book in there. It's really, really good. So if, she writes, home is where our most important relationships are formed and where we learn what love is, what it feels like and looks like. The more time we spend there investing in and fostering these things, the better off we are. She learned this firsthand, by the way. She was a high-powered economics professor on the fast track to have a very prosperous career. And she had timed her pregnancy. 
I'm going to get pregnant in this month. And then I'm going to have the baby nine months later. And then I'm going to have two months off because it'll be summer. And then I'm going right back to work. And things did not work out as she planned. And so it's worth hearing the rest of that story yep. yeah. from her. So, um, yeah, she wants us to be more successful, more peaceful, more loving, more bonded with each other. Because that's what it's all about in the end. That's what mm-hmm. anybody on their deathbed cares about in the end. And that's what she's saying is that this big demanding world in the name of economics will take all of us if we let it. Mm -hmm. And our children are more important than that. And so are we. So I think that's a great way to end this podcast Mm -hmm. of home is where we learn to love and where we form our attachments, where we learn to go out into the world and be the people that God meant us to be. Mm -hmm. So do your kids know that like no matter the choice they make, they're yours. Mm-hmm. That if they fall um, for a lie, that the world teaches them that they're still yours. Mm-hmm. You know, that if they use their power to make a big bad mistake, that they're yours. Always and forever. Be sure they know that. Oh. Be sure they know that. Yep. So um, these resources are going to be on our website at justaskyourmom.com. And we'd love for you to rate and review us. It helps people find us and share us with your friends. That's the best way um, for people to get access to this content. Yep. And keep sending us your topic suggestions. Just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your mom. mom.